This episode of The Gavel and the Gabble is brought to you by Audible. Audible is a monthly subscription service that gives you access to the world's largest selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers and brand new releases. Audible are offering our listeners to this podcast one free audiobook of your choice. It's yours to keep even if you cancel. That's not all, Simon, because with the 30-day free trial, you can enjoy unlimited listening to the Plus Catalogue, which has thousands of Audible originals, podcasts, and select audiobooks. Now, after your free trial, it's just £7.99 a month. You'll get one audiobook each month and continue to have unlimited access to the Plus catalogue. Thankfully, it works on all mobile devices, renews automatically, and you can cancel easily at any time. To get your free audiobook on us, The Gavel and the Gabble, and a 30-day free Audible trial, just click our exclusive link in the episode description. Welcome back to The Gavel and the Gavel. It's me, Harry, from Windsor Auctions, and I'm joined as ever by... It's me, Simon, from Lime Bay Auctions in deepest, darkest, lovely Devon. How are you, Harry? Uh, I'm having a breakdown. Uh, my yes, computer's, you are. My computer's blown up. I'm recording this on a mobile phone. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm praying it's all going to ha- hold together. And, it's, and, and the timing's pretty poor, Harry, because we've got a wonderful guy on today. Who have we got? We have got... Adam Hills from Retruvius. Met this guy recently. I'm in awe of his knowledge and his business and his passion. And I think we're just about to hear some of that. And if you, dear listener, are interested in the whole world of salvage, this is the episode for you. Cue Adam Hills. We're joined by... One of the nicest people I have met, Adam Hills of Retruvius, the king of reclamation. Well, Prince, maybe. <laughs> prince, no. Go with king, sir. How are you, Adam? Very well, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, very well. I'm talking to you from central London. Uh, delight to join you. Uh, we are so grateful that you've been able to find the time to join us. Just a quick caveat here. I'm in the middle of a mental breakdown uh, because I have no laptop. We're doing this on a phone in the middle of Berkshire somewhere with uh, on a damp piece of string. So apologies, but Simon's in charge. Thank the Lord. That's never a good thing. But yeah, <laughs> dear listener, um, uh, give Harry a bit of slack here. We're 20 minutes late starting this recording with poor Adam, and he is having a complete technological and mental breakdown. So we're going to give him a few minutes to, you know, regroup, come back, I don't know, mutter some Zen words. And I'm just going to speak to Adam and say, Adam, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Delighted to have you here. Retruvius. First of all, fantastic name. Love that. And an amazing company. Now, we know all about you, but for our dear listener, um, could you give us a bit of background, Adam, about Retruvius, how you got started and what you guys are all about? Because it really is quite a special business and something that we've been banging on about for a long time and you embody that. So over to you, Adam. Thank you. Um, so, yeah, Retruvius is actually 30 years old this year. Quite amazing. It was never supposed to last this long. It was uh, actually conceived as a kind of way of getting our parents off our backs um, after we 
graduated in our, in our sort of part one architecture. We being Maria, who's my now my wife, and uh, became my business partner. So yeah, we did. We met studying architecture, and I realized really early on that I absolutely didn't want to be an architect, but <laughs> I loved the subject, and I you know I liked poking around in old buildings, and I liked the materiality, and I loved history. Um, so I was sort of, you know, during that, my studies were sort of looking tangentially and and I sort of started working in the conservation world in a, in a very small way, you know, renovating a place and then getting involved in building preservation trusts and then um, started, you know, literally just pulling things out of skips and then collected more than I needed. And I thought, well, I better try and, you know, find someone else who wants them. And I sold a fireplace to one of my architecture tutors. And I made 150 pounds profit on it. Um, this is 30 years ago. 150 pounds is about what a, a sort of junior architect got, you know, at a drawing board. So I thought that was a for you know for a week's work, and I thought that was bloody easy. <laughs> and you know that 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 was the eureka moment. And uh, yeah, so Vitruvius. So the name comes from Vitruvius, who was a Roman architect whose books on architecture were rediscovered and became the basis of the Renaissance and uh, retrouvé to French to refine. So it's a portmanteau mashup. <laughs> so yeah, if, if you can spell it, you know, you're doing very well. You probably had a good education. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, so anyway, we started doing salvage and, and sort of there wasn't really any, this, so our studies were in Glasgow and there wasn't really anyone doing salvage in Glasgow. Uh, there was a good firm in Edinburgh. There were a few firms elsewhere. And there were a lot of firms in the south, uh, particularly centering around Bath, uh, Walcott Reclamation, who were sort of one of the early uh, companies that started in the 70s, saving sort of bits of Georgian Bath. And, and, uh, and then people who had worked at Walcott then went off and started their own businesses. So there were, there were a whole load of sort of spider businesses around Bath, and there were a few in London. But Although the activity sort of was going on, it wasn't really well consolidated. And in, I would maybe argue it's may, maybe that's even true now. Anyway, we started doing it, and 30 years later, we're still doing it. We actually moved down to London for family reasons about five years into the business, and and sort of started again with a you know completely different address book, but the same concept. And uh, yeah, we've we've had a lot of fun doing it. It's fantastic, yeah. And the and the website is is amazing. And for anybody interested in this sort of stuff, check out the Retruvius website. It's uh, it's got some amazing stock on there, um, and and we can see that that the salvage side of it is is your part of the business, right, Adam? And and Maria, I'm I'm right in saying she's the design. Yeah, we started off as a as a partnership. We realised um, after a few years that we would probably kill each other if we carried on. So we split it into two separate <laughs> companies. So we've got yeah we've got the salvage company which essentially is my domain, and uh, the design company which is essentially Maria's domain. Obviously, we have uh, a lot of uh, sort of crossover between the two. I think I suppose in a way the USP of Retruviate is that the weight of those two activities is kind of equal in a way, and that so that the you know they they, they cross fertilize incredibly well. Uh, you know, of course, you get some dealers who do a bit of design and some designers who do a bit of dealing, but sort of having those two activities really resourced you know totally you know gives us a lot of ability to show clients what can be done with salvage and you know really make it incredibly relevant to now this might be a little bit hard concept for some people to get their head around but when when we started salvage was really only associated with the conservation world so if you were renovating a georgian building you'd go out and look for georgian doors Mm. and you know that kind of thing so 
the idea of salvage really being used for contemporary design and making it totally relevant to now just didn't happen. It, it, you kind of think, no, that can't be true. But it is. It was true. And now, you know, we just we we collected all this sort of stuff, and 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 we were, you know, we're trying to initially sort of convince sort of friends to put it into their kitchen or wherever, and they were like, oh, why do you want old stuff? You know, I can go and buy new stuff, and you know that conversation. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. We we've heard that conversation <laughs> many times. And I think you know, I think through through our thirty years of activity, we've shown that it's absolutely not only fine but really advantageous to use reclaimed materials because it brings you you know brings you better quality and stuff but it, it brings patina and history and you know i personally hate walking into a new build building that where everything is like was finished yesterday you know oh. i much prefer to see buildings that are layered with story and history and you know it, it gives a much more you know deep and sort of you know homely or you know more interesting environment absolutely. right absolutely Absolutely. And, and and Harry and I on this podcast have been literally banging on because obviously we've got two auction houses. We're desperately trying to recycle and upcycle the yeah. items that we take. Oh, careful, from. careful, careful. <laughs> I know it doesn't like that word. Doesn't like that word. Okay. Doesn't like that word. There's um I think I think um you know the the word the words recycle, reuse, uh, you know, they often get misattributed or misused. So, you know, just to, you know, make it crystal clear for everyone, reuse is is exactly what it says. It's taking, you know, a chest of drawers and using as a chest of drawers, mm-hmm. whereas recycling um, means reprocessing. So it would be, um, you know, taking a brick and crushing it for hardcore or something like that, or melting some metal down and recasting it. So, and actually... Um, it's very important to get the, you know, you often see those sort of, you know, triangles or circles with that sort of arrows going, you know, reduce, reuse, yes, recycle. Yeah. And actually there's, there's a thing called the waste hierarchy and actually, you know, how you, mm-hmm. you know, the best thing you can do is reduce and then the best, next best thing is reuse and sort of, you know, reprocessing, you know, melting down metal and reusing it. Obviously it's a great thing to do rather than using virgin material, but it requires energy input. Whereas reuse, mm-hmm. which is, I guess what, you know, the three of us have in common is, um, you know, is, is obviously the most intelligent thing. Why isn't it used more? Because it's essentially kind of, I won't say anti-capitalist, but it sort of, you know, it doesn't, it creates jobs for, you know, for the three of us and, and, you know, and the nice sector of the antiques, but, Big business. It's not. It's not a scalable business. You know, big business can't get into manu- manufacturing stuff. You know, when when we're getting in the way of reusing. You know, we're stopping. You know, we don't want those containers to be coming from you know the other side of the planet with you know crappy chairs that are going to break. We want people sitting on every Georgian Victorian you know tubular metal chair that is sitting in warehouses across Britain, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And my work is done. I chose the right guest, did I not, Simon? <laughs> absolutely. To, to be fair to you, Simon, I had I had set you up slightly there because when Adam and I met, he did pull me up slightly on the recycle in a nice way. No, no, no. Just it's a- as to you, on the recycling reuse. And I went, if I don't tell Simon about this, he will fall into that. He will fall straight <laughs> into that trap. And then Adam can do his bit. So I, I, you know I, I can get it across. And it's really fascinating. That is that is it, that is a really good explanation of those often, as I have just done, trotted out cliches. Actually, you've put some uh, logic and understanding behind those. So thank you, Adam. No, I appreciate that. That's good. And and I just wanted to share. Well, I don't need to share it with you, Adam. But 
I found a, a, a fabulous quote from you, which also makes sense of, of that. And you've said, my self-appointed remit is to put things back into circulation, not just shrug my shoulders and condemn them. We have to find a way of reusing good things well. And I thought that was a a beautifully encapsulated comment for actually what you're doing, but also what auction houses, not just our auction houses, but auction houses around the country. It is absolutely what we are trying to achieve. I'm thinking about getting it tattooed somewhere. (laughs) It's quite a long quote, but yeah. Well, it's it's more likely to fit on me than it is. (laughs) But but that actually, uh, Adam, the way you've described that whole recycle, upcycle and all the rest of it, we have to to find a way of reusing good things well is i I think a a beautiful comment yeah i i I really enjoy the ecosystem of antiques and 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 from its bottom to the top from you know the lowest you know market trader house you know persons you know scrabbling around to the poshest uh you know person in in pimlico road uh doing country houses and that you know, I think the beautiful thing about the trade it, it is, you know, is that ecosystem. It, you know, we all understand it. There's the way things go up the trade, the way things go down the trade, and they find their level. And you know, we're all kind of looking for for appropriate reuses of things. And uh, you know, I, I really enjoy that. Um, you know, talking to everyone, you know, across the trade. And I, I'm very, um, I hope, I'm very unsnobby about. You know about how how the how the process works. You know, and I'll, I'll happily go to you know a fair in a field, and then I'll happily go to a, a, a bit of you know really really posh shop or whatever. And and you know, and I, I love I love that uh, I love that ecosystem. And so, talk to us a little bit about how you go about sourcing finding, because you know oh, that's careful, <laughs> careful with this. They tried to ask him. We were both on this panel, right? Yeah. And we were asked, "Where would you get your stuff from?" And both of us spent forty-five minutes trying to not answer the question <laughs> so that we didn't give up our contact list. Yeah. In front of some really nice people, but I've never seen two men try their hardest to be polite but not yes. disclose. We're like eels, Illy, Yeah. <laughs> Adam, genuine, genuinely not asking for your Rolodex here. Yeah. More yeah, of an overarching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, my, in my ideal world, and this isn't unfortunately how, how my world works, but anyway, in my ideal world, I would be invited onto every demolition site on day one of the demolition contract, you know, day, um, before they've done any strip out. And I would walk around and I would choose everything I want. Unfortunately, the world is extremely disconnected and and um the number of times that an architect or a building owner has contacted me directly saying in six weeks time you know this demolition company is starting work why don't you come and have a walk around you know that's sort of you know to do an audit of what is reclaimable um i personally think that that um window of opportunity of salvage should be essentially written into law um i'm not massive one for sort of you know more legislation but i, I actually think it's it, there's a very very valid um you know reason you know people allow you know governments whatever allow capitalism to do what capitalism does and unfortunately what that often means is that there's these kind of bullshit kind of false deadlines that um you know an, an office building in the city uh will be sort of used by you know a thousand workers on a friday and the demolition company will will start 
ripping it all out on on a Monday. Um, and you know why? Why is that? You know, because it's, it's or oh, everything's you know it's too valuable. You know, we can't leave this building standing. Actually, well, hang on. You know, if you just take a deep breath and you know just let's let's just you know look at what you're about to destroy, you will find that you know it's worthwhile doing this. And you know, yeah, I mean, you know, it's worthwhile for the planet. And you know, I think I think you know we're all now becoming, thank God, familiar with conversations of ecological you know woe. Um, and and so I think you know I think it's sort of creating these salvage opportunities is a really important one so yeah to answer your question i'd love to spend all my time on demolition sites but i you know and i do sometimes do that uh, but i also have this kind of network of of uh, essentially runners who who work in the trade and then feed stuff to me because it's, it's obviously more time efficient for me to kind of sit looking at emails and being offered stuff than than going you know physically to every demolition site but i love 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 going to demolition sites it's absolutely where my business was born and and it's it's absolutely the thing that i really kind of enjoy most in in life producer david can you clip that bit up and send it as a uh as an advert to uh, <laughs> to Adam, he'll want that. Put that on his socials. I love, love, love going to demolition sites. Call now. Call <laughs> now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's quite incredible that. So you know what what you see, you know, on on sites. You know, it's particularly big buildings in the city. You know, it's incredible. You know. Can I ask a question, about Adam? Because I didn't get to the t- when we were chatting. I didn't, I didn't get to talk about this. So do you get the items and then show them to your wife and say, have you got a scheme coming up that you can match this into? Is that how it used to work? I know it's bigger now, but is that how it used to work? All look what I found. Yeah, it's uh, I find sourcing things almost impossible, you know, whether it's for my wife or or any other designer, you know, Adam, will you go out and find me X, Y, Z? It's like, oh God, it's just not the way that the world works. And if you want to do, you know, you can nowadays, you know, sourcing things on the internet is, you know, relatively easy. But so I, I suppose I have a, I have my eye, I have my, my taste and within reason, I will try and, you know, just buy to that. You know, I think, I think it's, you know, again, a well, well-worn thing in the trade of, you know, trust, trust your own eye, trust your own instincts. When you go off that, you tend to go a bit wrong. And, uh, and also more importantly, if, if something, if you buy something you don't like and it sits in your warehouse for a long time, it drives you absolutely mental. You know, you're just looking at this ugly thing. Uh, so, you know, I, you know, some things sell in a day, some things sell in, sell in, you know, five or 10 years, but if it's something I like, I don't mind looking at it. So, so yeah, I mean, I've had, you know, I, yeah, I, I sort of I buy things which um, obviously fit into my remit. What is my remit? It's things which I think have obviously either a design quality, a design content, uh, a material content, um, a particularly rare. So it's understanding, identifying materials, particularly things like marbles and stones and things like that. Uh, identifying metal, having a, a really broad design knowledge from you know, historical things to sort of current uh, designers. You know, I go to places like Milan Furniture Fair not to buy furniture, but to see what designers, young designers are, are coming up with. I think it's incredibly important to know where design trends are going. I mean, I recognize that my my world, my uh, my clients are highly, highly influenced by fashion. It's very easy to, in the antique trade, to sort of, or at least, at the beginning to think that anything old is good and and we all know that that's absolute bs because you know 
things things very much go up and down in mm. in, in in desirability and so it, it's understanding those trends in a in a macro and a micro way uh, so I, you know i think it's it's really important to sort of know where you sit in in you know in in the world of, of uh, design of the input and where do you think uh, adam so the uh, if, if this isn't too broad a question the current trends are and have you got any thoughts on where you think the next trends are going? I'll tell you why, because that would be very interesting from us. We do house clearances. We all know that 10 years ago we were throwing Urkel in a skip. Now mm. I can't get enough of the damn stuff. Um, yeah. And obviously, but we can actually see that waning now. Yeah. Um, with your eye, with your knowledge, where do you think we are at the moment? And what do you think the yeah. trends are coming down the line? Uh, I think you should get rid of your skip because it's just too easy to put stuff in it. I think you should... <laughs> they, they, I, you know, they, there are Simon, sort of... You, Simon, you keep walking into these things. Yeah. And Adam, just, if we're going to throw... If the notion in his mind of throwing anything away... What I would say is that, uh, dear listener, one of our most popular episodes was uh, the Ivory episode where we basically gave the floor to Michael Baggett. It was Adam who drew our attention to the article in the ATG that neither Simon nor I got to that week. And it was Adam who sent me sent it to me because we'd had a discussion about recycling, repurposing, mm. reusing, yeah. and the destruction of items. Adam yeah. is not advocating uh, ivory as a substance. Adam was talking about we've got to do something to save historical items, yeah, and that and, and that's how we then connected with Michael. Generally, sort of destruction in my in my world is is a is a bad thing. You know, destroying anything. There's, they, you know, I was reading an article yesterday about a zero waste restaurant where they they literally don't have a bin. Whereas, you know, if there's food left over, they compost it and they, you know, or they or they ferment it or you know whatever they do. And you know, it, I think the antiques trade and and more importantly the construction trade need to really wrap their head around this massive massive concept. The waste in the construction industry is mind boggling. I think something like one percent of demolition material gets reclaimed i mean it's it's just appalling uh the antiques trade i think generally if an antique dealer can make money on anything you know they will we're an extremely opportunistic breed and i think generally think along the right lines but there are issues which come up time and time again storage distribution that kind of thing and i think there's again there's i think there's a really valid argument for there to be localized and nationalized receptacles you know buildings warehouses mm-hmm. whatever where things get stored and you know that, i think there was a i remember hearing a news story which i never heard again that where it's about 10 15 years ago where michael gove had come up with a concept or was promoting a concept of localized reuse um centers and obviously you know they got squashed or whatever you know um but and i, was, I know if, it was about the only time when i thought brilliant our government is onto a good thing anyway i can imagine, i can understand why you remember that because that's a rare <laughs> yeah exactly if i ever meet michael go i'm going to ask him about it yeah. our um, our attitude is that because between both auction houses we're clearing a house a day and therefore we are encountering yeah. huge volumes of stuff yeah our biggest issue and we talk about this all the time on the pod is even down to hoovers and washing machines and dishwashers and all the rest of it, just talking about it as a, a, a right from trickle down and trickle up, is all reusable, all perfectly good, all in good condition, probably may need a clean, pack test them and off they can go out. Yeah. What we have found is that local authorities who are rehoming or helping people out in times of crisis 
would rather give them money to go and buy new yeah. than they would us yeah. deliver. Free of charge. The second hand, free of charge. Yeah. Good. And that's our big thing. It's absolute madness. I'm not going to even attempt to explain any thinking behind that um, other than to think that, you know, there's a degree of ignorance there and there's a degree of jobs worth and there's probably a degree of uh, vested interests where, you know, someone saying, well, if you can, you know, sell new stuff, we can promote the economy, you know, the economy, better for the economy, right? Better for the economy and, you know, grow, grow, grow. Uh, I think it's called accelerationism. Uh, there's a, a way where, you know, we just all have to get faster, more, 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 more until we go bang. Uh, anyway, um, that's a whole different subject. But anyway, um, <laughs> but yes, I, you know, there, there are a lot of people out there who are willing and, and able to, to use reclaim stuff. Um, but there, you know, there should be more, and I think there's a lot of fear, isn't there? But, but you know, particularly when it comes to like electrical goods, and you know, I, th- I think a lot of you know, a lot of mach- machines are built as sort of, uh, inbuilt obsolescence, aren't they? You know, and, and um, you know, that's a whole other issue. But you know, I, I think I think a lot of uh, I'm pleased to see that uh, repair shop type facilities are beginning to come about. So yeah, let, you know, let's let's do everything we can to promote promote it and. And uh, I think as far as sort of furniture is concerned, you know, that those kind of things don't, you know, those, those problems don't really exist. Um, although someone say, but, you know, you might, you might fall off, your leg might break. And, you know, this kind of, you know, this kind of a slightly American kind of, you know, I mean, you know, I, I need to have something with a guarantee or a stamp. It's like, oh, for God's sake, really? You know, yeah. but, you know, particularly when it comes to sort of local authorities, they, you know, they're sort of, you know, oh, I can't certificate that. You know, and I get it all the time with things like fire. You know, I'm selling a two-inch thick teak door, and someone says, "Is it a fire door?" And I said, "Well, it's you know, <laughs> two inch, two inches of Burmese teak is you know, it's about as you know good as you're going to get." But have you got a certificate with it? No. Oh, I can't use it then. You know, so I'll go and buy buy a, you know, something much inferior, but it has a piece of paper attached to it. I get it. I get it. You know, I, you know, we have to have standards, building standards, but. We also have to have logic. It would be nice, mm. wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think Adam should be given some sort of governmental role. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'd vote. <laughs> I think I might just push him over the edge by that sort <laughs> yeah, of an appointment. Please don't. I really hate paperwork. <laughs> I really hate paperwork. <laughs> what I'm loving about this is that at that moment, Adam really had to watch his language and tell me where to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so I, let's, I, let's... I, think, I think, you know, the, the, the other thing I love about antique dealers and ant- antiques trade is that most of us are sort of, you know, it's it's like herding cats, isn't it? You know, there, there's a lot of very particular individuals who essentially don't fit into any other aspect of society. Would probably, if it wasn't for the antiques trade, would, would pro- probably be at, you know, Her Majesty's pleasure or, uh, you know, something like that. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I, lo- I love I love the fact that, you know, we're all slightly anarchic by and large. So, you know. We are a diverse group, I suspect. Is, yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's a lot. I mean, that's why most of us are attracted to it because it accepts people of all ego. And yeah. if you yeah. are a bit nutty, you've, you're, you're yeah. welcomed into the chapter, aren't you? Because everybody <laughs> goes, you're one of us. Join. Yeah. Start selling stuff. Yes. And I think, and I think we're all, quite often, we're all people who the corporate world wouldn't want or we they had us in the corporate world and then yeah. decided they didn't want us and now <laughs> yeah. we're here. So yeah. Yeah. which is I, I was I was about to say Simon didn't want in our case. In a, <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I think it was mutual. The corporate world <laughs> and I said, Do you know what? Let's call this a day. Yeah. Why don't you go and play with some real stuff? Yeah, um, I, I, which I'm is actually very good. proud to say I've never had a job. I literally went from <laughs> on on day one of of finishing college. I started Vitruvius and I 
the only I don't, when I was a schoolboy, I was a dispatch rider, which you know, I just me, my bicycle, and a radio, um, and that was the only paid job I've ever had in my life. We just want to take this opportunity to thank the sponsor of this week's episode, Audible. They're offering listeners to The Gavel and the Gabble one free audiobook as part of a 30-day free trial through our exclusive link in the show notes. And if you can't choose which free audiobook to get, I recommend, and I know Harry would agree, What Am I Bid by Philip Serrell. That sounds great. If you fancy something different, Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, new releases, sci-fi, romances, mysteries, classics and more. Ah, that sounds great. You can get a 30-day free trial, including an Audible audiobook on us that's yours to keep, even if you cancel. Regular price, £7.99 a month. Renews automatically and you can cancel easily at any time. Find the link in the description. So we're very lucky on on the podcast to have quite a lot of the sort of new up and coming well, youngsters um, who are looking to who are far more educated on the aspects of how the antiques world, how the um, reuse world will benefit the planet and all the rest of it and therefore like this industry adam you've done very well for yourself you've never had a a corporate job congratulations i wish i could say that um what advice would you give those uh youngsters listening who are looking to build and thrive in in this world so i I, i'm immensely happy and one of the really unexpected joys of having run Retruvius for 30 years is that I've had a large number of uh, employees through my hands, some of whom um, have gone on to be independent dealers. And I cannot tell you how joyful that is to me. And in fact, I was having a drink last night with Graham Abbott, who runs a company called Ancienne and Jolie. Um, and he's got a, another gallery as well in East London. Um, wonderful young man who's teamed up with with other people. You know, he's in his mid-30s you know, 20 odd years younger than me. So, and there's, there's various other, other people I could, I could mention. So it's been a real, real, real pleasure to encourage the people that I've come into contact with to, to go and be independent dealers. And I'm very open with them to, to try and sort of help them along, on, along that path. What help can I, what, what advice can I give? I mean, I, I sort of struggle to even, I mean, you know, I suppose I do have advice that, you know, they t- all tend to be much more on it than I, I am. So I'm slightly bumbling old man, but you know, they're all like whizzes on Instagram and all this. So I don't know. I think I, for me, it's, you know, it's just about energy. It's just about having that get up and go to, you know, to, to get up at 5am to go to the market to, you know, to, to drive across London or, you know, wherever you're driving across to, you know, to go to that demolition site or to make that personal delivery to your, to your customer. And, you know, in the, the first decade or even two decades of Retruvius, you know, we didn't really have, well, we didn't have any employees for the first decade. You know, I, I've had bought and sold, you know, and transacted every item, you know, and it was immensely useful to sort of to deliver to the client, you know, whether it was a four panel door and, you know, fit it into their, into their house or see where it was going to go. And then, you know, it would, you know, I would say always, but, you know, quite often lead to another conversation and lead to a personal relationship that would, that would then be a foster of, you know, future sale or, you know, future referral. Um, so that's to me, I mean, you know, I think, 
unfortunately the negatives of of, of online trading is is a depersonalization uh, nothing new to anyone to say that but um i absolutely love the the personal aspect the personal interactions so to me that's something which i always encourage um but yeah i don't know i think it's all about energy and it's about fresh ideas and i think some of the urgency of you know the climate crisis and some climate anxiety that uh my children and their you know generation is having is not to be underestimated and it's not you know it's not to be sniffed at and you know they're not snowflakes well some of them are but most of them aren't and you know and and i you know i think i hope that that conversation is you know that we're now having you know societally it is the beginning of a conversation that's going to carry on not as a trend for the next five ten years but as a as a philosophy for the next 100 200 years you know we we need to do that from my angle we need to do that and it, it needs it needs to be you know ground up you know young people up it's not it's not top down it's ground up right absolutely i i sorry follow just following on from that adam do you um when you hire people in your mind are you always thinking in a nice way in a positive way i mean that this person is not necessarily going to stay with me forever i am a stepping stone in their career so what they learn here. So you're sort of actively encouraging them in a way. Very, very much Take so. what I, you I, can from here and then go and do your Yeah, and I, I will hold my hand up and say I wasn't always like that. You know, at the sort of earlier part of my career, I was undoubtedly more defensive because I, you know, I had less. I had less to give. I, had, I was more, more defensive. I'm, I, you know, I'm lucky in that, you know, things have gone well for us. I've, you know, I've, I'm in a comfortable position, should we say, you know, where, where I feel absolutely able to be, you know, generous you know generous yeah, in a yeah. small no, way no, or, no, no, you know, you know yeah, yeah. so and i you know like i was talking about um walcott reclamation you know had a had a spider of businesses from that you know I, that um yes there is a a spider of businesses that's come off retrievious uh you know a little ecosystem and of, of course yeah. it's super beneficial to me because you know they then feed stuff back to me so it's it's not uh i'm not being uh i'm not i'm not you know i'm not i'm not being sort of uh magnanimous i'm actually being you know in a, in a funny way sort of selfish by doing that but um you know it's sort of creating you can, you can have a bit of pride in it and yeah. also it's commercially sensible all at the same yeah, time yeah 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 you you oh you know yes and i you know do, can i handle all the salvage that london and or where you know wherever it generates of course i bloody well can't you know there's we need you know we need we need to increase the number of dealers out there and in fact it's a very sad reality is that in the 30 years that i've been in the trade in the architectural salvage trade the number of architectural salvage yards has i think it's very true to say has decreased um there were particularly in again talking about london a lot of dealers in sort of old bomb site areas you know in wilston in peckham in camberwell um you know in the city obviously those sites have become so valuable that um you know the dealers have understandably sold up, and you know the sites have been developed, and the dealers have either retired um, or moved out of London, move out to you know the Cotswolds or wherever. You know the number of salvage yards in London has gone down hugely, and and consequently, surprise, surprise, the number of the amount of salvage has gone down. So I think we have gone backwards um, in the amount of salvage and and there are multiple reasons for that not just what i just said you know there's increased mechanization there's increased health and safety legislation that you know okay i'm not going to say that's a bad thing the health and safety but it's reducing the amount of salvage that's a bad thing so let's find ways around that let's you know let's work work you know let's professionalize the the salvage trade 
and make it a really integral part. Uh, it tends to be not that professional, and you know that sort of uh, it tends to be relying on one man in a van kind of situation. It's, okay, I'm sort of generalizing. It's not always true. There are some bigger, better salvage companies who are doing things in a in a in a in a bigger way. But I think as a general rule, it tends to be sort of quite small owner operator outfits doing salvage um i would like to see that um grow excellent well there we go so if there's youngsters who are always asking always asking simon and i about where to go there's pardon the expression and i'm not there's there's a gap in the market by the sounds of things yeah um you know and people like you are happy to spread the word and get and help people find experience you know because you are you know as everybody who listens to this podcast will hear absolutely passionate about this as a subject of topic and industry and your own business but it's absolutely. almost when you chat about it your business is secondary to your passion for let's get this going let's get this sorted which i find inspirational i don't i don't find i don't, i try and i don't put any separation between my business and my and my life you know the two you know Sitting in bed talking about reclaiming bricks is not an unusual, you know, occurrence <laughs> in my household. Uh, you know, passion killer though that is. Um, but, um, but no, I, I mean, I, you know, I, I think, I think it's, uh, I think it's a really important um, to, yeah, to, to sort of look at that. And it, there, there are some wonderful, uh, you know, there's a, uh, a Salvo we should mention, who's a sort of the trade body of salvage, the salvage trade. Um, so they're a really important port of call. There's also a, um, to my mind, the sort of leading company in this area is actually based in Belgium. They are called Rota DC, D- DC standing for deconstruction. And they they approach things in a really, they're, they're a sort of collective of quite a large number of sort of architects and various other skills that have come together. And they work in quite a, a quite a local sort of governmental building uh, level so to, to reclaim stuff from, you know, Bel- uh, Brussels got obviously a lot of office buildings. And so, you know, they, 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 they're, they're working on quite a big scale. And I think they are, to my mind, the sort of leaders in how we should, how the salvage trade should develop. Mm. Excellent. Right. That's one to look up. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And yeah. um, we're kind of well. You you always know when it's a good podcast, and when we run out of time far too quickly. But yeah. I just got a couple of last quick quick. Are you a collector yourself personally? Forget the business. Um, if you'd asked me that about two or three years ago, I would very quickly say no. My wife has always said, "Adam, you sell the best stuff and you keep the crap." Uh, and I said, <laughs> yeah, "Obviously, because by definition, the the best stuff's the stuff that." people want to buy so you know (laughs) but i have slowly kind of you know been browbeaten into it so i I, i'm not in i think that you know the world divides into dealers and collectors and you know there are obviously a lot of people who call themselves dealers who are absolutely collectors and you know Mm -hmm. um we we all know who they are you know try and go into their shop and you go oh how much is that and they go oh oh no what a key and you go oh for god's sake is it for sale or not anyway yeah they're they're collectors they should reach they should just be you know should say museum rather than shop you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) so uh no i am i am a very much a dealer and the way my brain wraps around that is is if when i sell something it liberates obviously cash but as importantly or sometimes more importantly space um you know we operate out of a relatively tight you know five thousand square foot place in kensal green 
it's never it's always full it's never never big enough um you know i always have overflow rental rented storage uh which is always temporary but always lasts for years <laughs> so yeah no i'm definitely a dealer and you know if you give me a profit i'll you can have you know one of my children um, <laughs> Simon, you've got to ask. So I'm desperate to see, but uh, you were at the ENO. Oh yeah! Oh, incredible sale the other day. Yeah, it, it just looked amazing. It was... I couldn't have gone because I would have come home with that bear, and yeah. I would now be living in a one-bedroom flat all on my own yeah. because my wife would have killed me. It was so superb that it was just fantastic to see that. My the thing which I almost, almost, almost bought was a four-meter high. Terry Gilliam designed devil face, the strongest thing. And I just think, where the hell can I put that? And it's, the thing is with, with props is they look, you know, as they're designed to be, they look great from a distance. And you go up close to them and they're all made of, you know, fiberglass and plastic. And, and you know, so they're sort of, um, yeah, I bought, I bought a few things. But, you know, it was a wonderful uh, privilege to, to walk around this massive warehouse. I think I'm going to let a small secret out of the bag. I think they will be having several of these sales. Um, so you have, I think that, you know, in a, over the coming months, they've got way more props than they, um, than they were able to handle in that one sale uh, and costumes. Uh, I mean, if you want to, if you like fancy dress, oh my God, the costumes, unbelievable. It was fascinating. And I saw lots of people posting about it. Yeah. And then the queue to get yeah. in, yeah. they said, oh, I popped down here thinking that nobody knew this was yeah. happening. Yeah. And the streets are ju- literally just completely yeah. packed with people going, I want something. I'll have anything. <laughs> Let me in. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I went very early being, you know, being being a dealer. You know, they, I found out that the sale was starting at, uh, I don't know, four o'clock on whichever day it was. So I <clears throat> happened by accident to arrive at 3.30. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I managed to sort of, you know, doing that dealer thing of, Nothing happening here as I slide in through the door. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sir, we're not open yet. Mm, oh, okay, you carry okay. on. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that, that's the dealer instinct, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. 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 No, it, looked, it looked fantastic. Um, I have one for, just very quick question. You've been to Glastonbury recently. Yes. Was it Pulp you went to see? Uh, blur. 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 Blur, pardon blur. me. Blur. Pulp's coming up, I'm sure. Yes, yeah, um, is, exactly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Is is music? Um, obviously, it's, it's something you enjoy. But is it? Does it influence what you do? Uh, so Glastonbury, um, and I'm lucky enough to sort of have been a few times recently. And what I love, I mean, absolutely, I could talk for hours and the whole, you know, many podcasts about what I love about Glastonbury. But one of the things I love is that all the stands, all the all the areas, all the venues, all built out of reclaimed stuff, obviously. You know, so that's, you know, fantastic. There's a lot of salvage there. I mean it's all salvage and it gets taken down and it gets reused and it gets so that, you know, that's really gratifying and possibly some of the bits have gone through my hands. But uh, there are other salvage dealers who um, are kind of associated with different areas. Uh, so so that's ah, that's wonderful. There's that's what's behind it. Oh I yeah, see. That's well I mean you know that's 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 me sort of putting my claim into sort of tax expense the the, the visit but um but um but uh yeah so i went to i went to i went to blur at wembley stadium the other day uh, one of one of the band name drop name drop the one of the band members is a, is a client of mine so he he was kind of gave me tickets and the about the my and then talking about pulp um jarvis cocker came into my shop a, a few years ago and, and, and bought a uh, bought a desk which he said would i mind delivering uh, so I, you know, of course, said yes, and it it wasn't a particularly big desk, but he said, you know, would you mind taking it up to the 
top floor with me. It's like a five-story uh, Victorian house. And, and the desk was about a centimeter narrower than the staircase. And one of my sort of, I had the, one of those sort of slightly sort of out-of-body kind of laughing at myself moments when, you know, if you choose someone to carry a bit of furniture up, an awkward thing, the last person you would choose is Jarvis Cocker. <laughs> adorable, adorable man, but just gangly, not, not, I hope he's not listening. You know, like, not not the guy you would choose to to move furniture. Anyway, but we we got it up there, and I think he wrote his wrote a autobiography on on that desk. Anyway, but um, but it was it was very funny. It was you know trying to maneuver maneuver this thing with all his long limbs. <laughs> so music and 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 the people who create music is is part of your sort of um, life. Well, we're we're based in West London, so which uh, you know it'll come as no surprise. You know, is is quite heavily inhabited by you know, pop stars and actors and that kind of thing. So yeah, I'm lucky enough to have quite a few of them as, as clients. Um, so yeah, I, I'm Simon. Our next question should be, which gigs have you been to that you've really tried to leave after five minutes going, this isn't for me. That's the one. <laughs> that's the next question. Isn't it? Oh, how very nice to see you. Oh dear God. What am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, because I cannot even play the triangle. I'm absolutely in awe of any musician, you know, however, good or bad they are just you know, someone who wants to get on stage and try and entertain an audience i'm like I, I, i'm gonna stay to the end i mean i'm gonna stay for the encore because quite frankly you know i don't understand how you play a guitar and i remember holding one i'd literally just like you know I, I it doesn't work for me i just don't you know my brain is not wired that way yeah no <laughs> I, I do i mean i'm i wouldn't call myself a massive muso i sort of i'm a like a lot of white middle-aged men i'm a radio six fan so uh it you know people like keris matthews they and Craig Charles, you know, they open up, you know, the world to you. And I, I love traveling around the world with, by, by, you know, by sitting in my, in my kitchen, listening to people like Keris Matthews, uh, playing wonderful music from all yeah. over the planet. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Radio six, the way forward. Never yeah. let, never let it go. When you're not listening to this podcast. Of course. Well, well, that's, well I mean, that's 35 minutes of your week sorted, uh, Adam, <laughs> but thanks for that. We're clipping that up, David. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Adam, it's been fantastic to have you on. I really appreciate, well, Harry and I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day. I think um, uh, we've learned a lot. We know about uh, Vitruvius for all our listeners. Go and look at the website. Go and look at the, there's a vast amount out there on the internet about uh, the world that Adam inhabits and his passion for what he does. And I think it's uh, if you've got any interest in salvage at all, this is the guy to follow. This is the guy to to listen to. And his businesses uh, are exemplary. And we're delighted to have had you on, Adam. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for giving me a platform for my eco rant. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Adam, <we're>, Adam, <laughs> Adam, you'll get another opportunity, mate. Don't worry. Because I suspect people are going to be all over this. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Good, good. Adam Hills from Retruvius, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Cheers, thank you. Well, Simon, it's everything. that was everything we expected it to be, was it not? Absolutely perfect. I mean, I have learned a lot. I've been told off a little bit, quite rightly. And, well, Adam, what a star. And I don't know, I, I just found that absolutely fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. What did you think, Harry? Uh, one, I'd like to apologise to you because I felt like I slightly set you up to get you told <laughs> off. Threw me, un threw me under a salvage bus, I think, is what you yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's let's fine. get that out that's there. That's good. Um, <laughs> let's get out there. 
um, because it gave Adam the opportunity yeah, in a nice way to, to sort that out. So I apologise, as I did in the past. No, don't be tough. I spoke with him at a panel about sourcing items and about the world of salvage and antiques and auctions and the rest of it. And I was so impressed with his passion about it then. I've doubled down now because yeah. some of the facts he's come up with there and that are shocking. We, we've just been talking off air about the 1% of demolition uh, being reused and um, reclaimed. I think that is that is a scandal of huge proportion. Absolutely. Um, but I also think, and I think he played this down, you know, they started as students, him and his wife Maria, and they built this business and they've done well. And that is from the energy that they were talking about. But now his passion to get other people involved in the industry to support them off the back of the fact that he's done well and therefore is it, it puts him in a, an advantageous position i think is something to be applauded as well and i think that people i think people listening to this will uh, be taken in by that as well they'll like that but it's well rather than um yeah i think that was good i think it, it was really interesting and I think, and I think the 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 information that that Adam has imparted to us here on the pod has also, whilst on one stage, in, in one way, can be seen as you know this is this is bad. This is there is a great opportunity out there. Look at what Retruvius have done. Look at how. And if anywhere in the country, if you're interested in the salvage game, in the salvage business, and what it can do both for you as a business and for the planet and for, you know, they are the model. They are, he is the man to to follow, to listen to, and to understand the message that he's putting out. And interestingly, you know, that the salvage business in London has gone backwards. There aren't that many people doing it. So there is a great opportunity. And I tell you what, I, I, I applaud him and Maria um, for the success that, that they've had and for all the messaging that they're putting out there because I think it's very, very important. So great job, Adam. Thanks so much for your time. Right, mate. Time to go. I will see you in, uh, in a week. Look forward to it. Take care, Harry. Cheers, Simon. Thanks, mate.